0: Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. But this morning, um, I want to talk about the fact that I heard this message several, many, many months ago, and when I heard it, I knew that God wanted me to speak it today. Um, I fought it, and I fought it, and I fought it, and... um, but I knew that God was asking me to share um, this message today because God knew that you were going to be here. God knew that each and every person sitting here, each and every person watching um, online, each and every person listening to this at another time, God knew that you were going to hear this message. And I promise that every man and woman here listening today on this Mother's Day will get something out of it. Press in to what God has for you because God's got something amazing for us today. And my prayer has been that it's not just a message that would speak to the women, but that it would speak to the men as well. So let's go ahead and jump in. We're gonna start in 2 Kings chapter four with verse one. And it says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered revered the Lord, but now his creditors are coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil." So Father, I thank you this morning for this Mother's Day, but first I wanna thank you for the faithful women that have brought, that you've brought along our path, Father. Father, without them, we wouldn't be who we are today. Without them, our faith wouldn't be where it is today, Father. Help us open our eyes to hear um, from you today. Help us see, Father, what you would have us see through this message today. Holy Spirit, we invite you in and come and speak to us like only you can. And Father, I thank you and I ask that you speak to me, Father, and that these aren't just words on a page, but they're your words and that I listened and obey in your precious name. Amen. You know, I don't have very many fears in my life. One of them I'm actually doing right now. Um, But I can only think of a couple other ones. And, you know, and the other one that I can think of is the fear of running out of gas. Now This isn't just some random fear for no reason at all. In fact, a number of years ago, actually I was a junior in high school. My mom had picked me up from school and we were driving on 281 in San Antonio to take her to work. We were driving a 1985 Chevy pickup truck that my dad had just bought from his company. Now this truck was pretty cool because it didn't have one gas tank, it had two. But you see, the reason that my dad's company was getting rid of these trucks was because they were known to have a faulty gas switch. And on this particular day, that switch decided to be faulty. So mom and I ended, stu- ended up stuck on the side of Highway 281 because our gas tank was empty. Now, did I mention that this was in 1995 and we had no cell phones back then, so we couldn't call for help. So I had to walk on 281 uphill both ways to get to a gas station because we were empty. That day has literally traumatized me so much that I hate for my gas tank to get below a quarter of a tank. Now, in fact, I don't let my gas tank get up below a quarter of a tank. But you see, God gave me this special person that lives in the house with me and he's called my husband and he wasn't with me on this particular day. And he didn't have to walk on 281 uphill both ways to get gas. So he doesn't care if his gas tank gets below a quarter of a tank. And we have had many, 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 many very intense conversations (laughs) about the fact that we better not be close to empty. So today I'm gonna talk to us about being empty. Have you ever felt empty? I know I sure have. Have you ever just felt like you've done all you could do and you've prayed all day long and you were just so thankful that you made it through the day just to get up the next day and have to do it again? Have you ever felt like you just can't be everything to everybody? You just have nothing left to give and you feel empty? It's not just women that feel that way. Men feel that way too. We all have people in our lives that need something from us. Some of the people in our lives, they they need us to meet their physical needs. Some need us to meet their emotional needs. Some people depend on us to meet their spiritual needs, their financial needs. People depend on us to meet all kinds of needs for them. And in the midst of trying to provide and meet their needs, we're fighting our own battles and we're trying to meet our own needs and we start to feel empty. I can tell you that there's been a lot of days lately that I have felt empty. You see, that's one kind of empty, but there's also another kind of empty. And that's when you're carrying an extra weight on top of all of that. You're, you, maybe, you, maybe you're going through a health issue. Maybe you've gone through a health issue that you've been dealing with your whole life. Maybe you're grieving. Maybe you're going through a divorce and you wake up every morning and when you open your eyes, you remember the pain of the season that you're in. You can pretend that everything is okay for a little while and you can fake it for a little bit more, but you're just not sure how much longer you can keep pretending. The loneliness suddenly has made you aware of how empty you are. That's where this widow is. Her husband, a good man, is dead. She's becoming the thing that most women of this day fear and that's because she's lost her livelihood. She's lost her income. And her only hope was that her sons could take care of her. But her sons can't do that because they're too little and she's about to lose them as well because she, she can't pay her debt. Her boys need her and she's failing them. Ladies, have you ever felt the weight of other people needing you? She's out of money, she's out of ideas, and a long time ago, she lost her joy, her hope, and her strength. My heart goes out to this woman. This was not the way that she thought her life would go. She married a prophet. She married a man who had given his life to God. And you know, when you give your life to God, bad things aren't supposed to happen to you. I don't know if she was mad, but I'm mad for her. She was faithful, but she felt abandoned. She knew things were about to get a lot worse. Guys, have you ever been faithful to God and you felt like you still were just coming up short? You still were just coming up empty. How do you keep going when you feel empty? This is what I've been talking to God about the last month, the la- and especially the last few weeks. What do I do when I feel empty? Maybe what you're going through isn't a life or death situation like this widow's, but you know that you are just at the end of your rope. You have people depending on you and you've tried everything and you feel like it's a never ending cycle of wake up, go to work, fake it, sleep. Wake up, go to work, fake it, sleep. You have no joy, you have no hope, you feel empty. And I just want you to know today that God does his best work when I'm the emptiest. God does his best work when I'm the emptiest. So today, if you're like me and you feel empty, I wanna walk us through seven verses in 2 Kings 4, and I wanna share with you three things that I've been learning from this widow that God's been showing me, and that first one is cry out. So let's look at the passage again, 2 Kings 4, 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Your servant, my husband is dead and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my boys as his slaves. When you feel empty, the first thing you must do is cry out to God. Now, I don't know about you, but for some reason that's not the first thing that I want to do. To be honest with you, I don't cry out to God first because usually I'm too busy pretending that everything's okay. I'm pretending to myself, that is, and I make my life full of things so I don't feel the emptiness. I say yes to helping with this group, or I say yes to leading that event, or I say yes to helping redecorate this, or I say yes to an appointment that I really don't have time for. The list goes on and on. What do you say yes to to hide from your emptiness? The problem is busyness doesn't fix my emptiness. It might mask it for a little while, but in the end, I'm just overcommitted. I'm tired. I'm irritable. I'm upset because nobody's helping me do all of the dumb things that I said yes to do. I can't be the only one that does this. I can't be the only one that does this. So now I don't want to deal with anything, so I isolate myself. When someone comes to ask me how I'm doing, I say, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm totally fine. Because deep down, I know that I don't really know if they care. Or if they do care, do they, can they really relate to what I'm going through? Can they really relate to what I'm dealing with? And here's where the enemy wants me to be. I start believing, excuse me, I start believing that nobody cares. Nobody else faces or deals with what I'm going through. And so the enemy isolates me. And now I don't just feel empty, but I feel empty and alone. I've thought a lot about this woman this week and I wonder if she was pretending that everything was okay. How long did she keep that up? Everyone knew that she was struggling. Her husband had died. We can gather from the passage that she sold everything, but how much longer could she fake it? She was struggling. We know that she had debt. Maybe she sold all, everything of value because it says, all I have is a little bit of oil. How much longer could she hide her pain? How much longer could she hide what she was going through? She was carrying everything on her two shoulders. She was trying to be mom, she was trying to be dad, and she was failing at both. She was trying to protect her family from shame and protect her boys from fear. And it says that she's at the end of her rope and she's empty. And she cried out to the prophet Elisha. In the Bible, we see that phrase cry out several times. You know, Peter, when he stepped out onto the water and he began to sink, he cried out to God. In the Bible, when the blind man wanted to get healed, he cried out to God. And every time Jesus responded. Psalms 34, six says, this poor man called out and the Lord heard him. He saved him from all his troubles. So why is it that crying out to God is the last thing we do instead of the first thing. It's because at our core, do we believe that God will really do what he says he's gonna do? Sometimes I wonder, do I really believe that God will do what he says he will do? Because if I did, why am I not crying out first? Maybe you've prayed before and things gotten worse. Maybe you've asked God to change your situation and it's still the same. Maybe because it didn't work out for you last time, you decided, you know what? I'm gonna handle this one on my own. I'm gonna do it myself. But the word of God says that there's only space in your life that God can fill when you cry out to him. Psalms 34, 17, and 18 says, Godly people cry out and the Lord hears him. He saves them from all of their troubles. The Lord is close to those whose hearts have been broken and he saves those whose spirits have been crushed. You see, God hears your cries. He hears you. He sees your tears and he will help you. It may not be when you want and it may not be how you want, but I promise you, he will deliver you you know a lot of times i feel like maybe i prolong my struggle my struggle or my situation because i don't cry out to god you see several years ago pastor don and i were going through some struggles in our marriage and i was feeling very alone i remember sitting on my bed and crying and wanting to leave and i was so mad at god I remember crying out to God that I was disappointed. I was upset, I was hurt, I was lonely, I was scared, I was mad, and how I felt like God was nowhere to be found. I remember writing down all of the things that had upset me, about, uh, that upset me and that all of the things that I wanted changed or made different in my life and in my marriage. And you know, this last week, as I was preparing for this message, I was walking in my neighborhood and God reminded me of this time. This time where people knew that we were struggling, but they didn't know really what we were going through. He reminded me of the things that I was upset about. He reminded me the things that I wanted changed. He reminded me about my disappointments in my marriage, but he also reminded me of how far we've come, how much ground we have taken and how much we've changed as a married couple. He reminded me of all the hard work and the many years of counseling to get us where we are today. But what he really was reminding me was that he was there all along. He, he had never left me. He was there. We may feel alone, but we are never truly alone. Let's look at verse two. Elisha, repri- Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. So when she cried out to the prophet, he asked her two questions. Now the first question I really like, how can I help you? Well God, you see it's like this. My husband died and I need provision. They're coming to take my boys and I need to be able to pay my debt. We have to learn to get real honest with God We have to be transparent with God. Sometimes I think we cry out and we don't even know what we want or what we need. He asked her a question, how can I help you? Now the second question he asked I don't like as much and it says, what do you have in your house? Now this widow cried out, she needed provision, but what God wanted her to see was what she already had. Even if it seemed small and insignificant and in that it wouldn't amount to very much, he wanted her to see what she already had. See, God always wants us to be part of our solution. He asked, what do you have in your house? So after she cried out, the prophet gave her two steps to take. Second Kings 4, 3 says, Elisha said, go around to all of your neighbors and ask them for empty jars. Get as many as you can. So she cried out to God, and then she reached out to others. So your second point today is reached out. She reached out together to others. Some of us are really good at reaching out, but we forget to cry out to God first. Others of us can cry out to God all day long, but reach out, Mm-mm. I don't want anybody to know what's going on in my life or what's happening in my situation. You see, I want to explain something because we live in a world that is full of social media and I wanna explain what reaching out really is. You see, I'm okay with you putting your prayers up on social media. I'm okay with you putting your prayer request up on social media, but the people that really care The people that really love you, the people that really support you, the people that ask you how your doctor's appointment went, the people that ask you how your ex-husband's weekend went with the kids, those are the people that are on your journey with you. They should be a part of your healing process because here's the deal. People will comment on your post. But comments do not replace relationships, comments do not replace community, and comments do not replace conversation. I believe that this woman went out in her neighborhood and she did not shout, I need jars, give me all your jars. No, what did she do? She went and she knocked on every door. Now maybe she said the same thing to each door, each person that answered, and that's okay. It's okay to say the same thing to everybody that asks, but reaching out doesn't mean sharing everything. You see, when she cried out, she shared everything. God, I have nothing of value but a little bit of oil. But then she had to reach out by going around to her neighbors and asking for jars. You see, the last two years or three years during COVID, the greatest thing that the enemy has made us do is go into our house and shut our doors. And we've lost all of our face-to-face connections and we've only been able to connect on screens. We cannot stay there. If you stay on screens, then you're no different than going in your neighborhood and shouting for jars. You see, a few weeks ago, Pastor Don and I had the chance to go into the Ukraine to meet with the ministries that we've been um, working with to help supply supplies for the Ukrainian people. And I met with a young woman who's kind of the right-hand man, um, (laughs) really the right-hand woman, um, (laughs) right-hand woman of this organization. And literally my life has been changed. I can't stop thinking about this woman. Can't stop texting her, can't stop praying for her and her family. You see, this woman is 25 years old and she was evacuated in the middle of the night from her home with the clothes on her back, a backpack with one pair of jeans, a sweater, and a laptop. Her home is gone, her things are gone, her life as she knew it is gone. As she shared with me about what all she was going through since the war started, she shared with me about where her family was and how they were doing, about her fiancé and how before the war started she was um, he was before the war started he was going to be getting out of the military in March and they were going to be getting married. They had been waiting for two years and now she didn't know when or if it would ever happen. She told me all that she was doing to help be a part of the Spirit of Victory Ministries, but that she just didn't feel like it was enough. But then she stopped. And she took a breath and she looked at me and I looked her in the face and I said, but how are you doing? And she said, I'm good. I'm good. I said, you're good. She said, yeah, I'm good. I think here's this woman who's lost everything, literally everything. Her apartment's gone. Her belongings are gone. Her fiance is fighting in the war. Her family is spread out all over the world, but she's good. How can she be good? I can't wrap my brain around it because I don't feel good and I'm not going through half of what she's going through. I can't stop thinking about her. And now instead of my prayers for the Ukraine being general and vague, my prayers have become very specific. Father in heaven, when Marina lays her head down at night, give her sweet sleep that only you can provide. Give her dreams about her future. Give her creative wisdom about what she's to do with the ministry. Father, connect her with the means, the transportation, and the people all around this world to accomplish what you would have accomplished through her. Father, keep her fiance safe from harm. Speak to him, show him your will and direction and guide him in the midnight hours with supernatural wisdom and supernatural peace. Now, last week I got a text from Marina and I need to make a correction in the story because she's no longer praying for protection and safety over her fiance. You see, her fiance was fighting in the front lines in the Ukraine and due to some military issues, he had to go to another part of the Ukraine. And that part just happened to be close enough that she was able to go and see him. So, and they met for a few hours and they were able to get married. So now she's praying for safety and protection over her husband. Her faith in God has changed me. Her ability to reach out in her time of need has amazed me. You see, if, she had nev- if I had never had a face-to-face interaction with her, I wouldn't have been changed. I wouldn't know how to pray for her. I wouldn't be able to do my part here so she can do her part there. There's no substitution for face-to-face interaction with others. And that's what the enemy has tried to take away from us. Now I know we all can't go to the Ukraine, but who's your Marina right here? Who is God put in your path to listen to and to pray for? You see, I didn't give her some profound word from God. I didn't tell her this great scripture that was just gonna change her life. No, I looked her in the face and I said, I don't know what I can do, but I can pray. And I can bring your story back and I can share it and I can have other people pray for you as well. See, you might not have, need someone right now to look you in the face and tell you you're gonna be okay, but someone just might need you to do that for them today. People don't need to know everything, but if they don't know anything, how can they be a support to you? And then you're just gonna feel alone and that's exactly what the enemy wants you to feel, but you are never alone. What do you have? A little bit of oil and some neighbors. Verse four says, then go inside your house, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into a jar, pour oil into all the jars. As each jar is filled, put it up to one side. So it's important that we cry out. It's important that you reach out and ask for jars, but there will come a time in your life, a time in your healing process that you need to shut the door and let God work a miracle in your life. You see, the neighbors knew, but they didn't know. You can be vulnerable and still have privacy. Not everyone needs to know everything, but there are some people in your life that you can't hide from. You see, who was with her when she went into her house and shut the door? Her family, her boys. I wonder how much her boys actually knew about their situation. They had to know something, but I wondered how much she had tried to keep from them. You see, what feels like weakness to us looks like strength to the people around us. That's so powerful, y'all. What feels like weakness to me looks like strength to the people around me. When I feel my weakest, when I feel inadequate, when I feel empty but I push on anyways, I keep doing what I know I'm supposed to do, what feels like weakness to me, it looks like strength to the people that are watching me. When we feel our weakest, someone is watching us thinking that we're walking in our greatest strength. When you feel empty, but you go on, your kids are watching you. When you do the right thing in that business deal or at work, your coworkers are watching you. Someone is watching you while you walk through your greatest weakness, but all they see is strength in you. You see, in her weakest moment, she was building her boy's faith. Let's go on to verse five, the woman left him, then she shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. You see, it's important to cry out. It's important to reach out, but there comes a time that you have to shut the door and pour out. So my third and last point this morning is pour out. You see, all she had was a little bit of oil. If you think about it, it really wasn't much to do anything with, but it's all she had. And when you're in survival mode, your natural instinct is to hoard everything you have. Every resource, every dollar, every minute, every word, you keep it for yourself. But the prophet said, poor. So I don't have boys this morning, but I have two girls and I'm going to call them up to help me this morning with this illustration. So come on up. You see, I love these girls with everything within me and I will do anything and everything for them. But pouring out is scary. What if I pour out and I have nothing left for me? What if no one sees all the things I'm doing? What if no one ever appreciates me? The prophet said, keep pouring. All she had was a little bit of oil. Sometimes when we feel empty, it's because we feel lost. We feel like we have nothing to offer. You know, many years ago, I went through a season like this myself where I was feeling lost. Pastor Don, when I had met him, he was the missions pastor and he planned and went on all of the missions trips. And then once we got married, I was able to go along with him. And then there became a time in our life where we decided we wanted to have a family. And so that's what we did. We started having kids and I began to feel very lost, very left out and very lonely. What I once was a big part of, I no longer was a part of because I was at home all day wiping noses and changing diapers. I was talking to kids that didn't talk back. I felt like, "Hmm, you know what? (laughs) Hadn't thought about that. I felt like I (laughs) didn't know anything that was going on. I felt very alone and I wanted to be asked to do something because I felt like everybody else was getting to do something fun but I wanted to be asked to do something meaningful, maybe lead something or organize something. And then one day I realized, you know, I don't, pff, I don't really have a lot of time anyways, but what I do have is one day a week and I have a Slitterbon pass. So what I did was what we were asking everybody else in the church at that time, which was to lead a group. And so I started Slitterbon Sisters. Thank God for Christmas presents and grandmas because that's how we went to Slitterbond every day. So you see every Tuesday, we would meet at Slitterbon and we would discuss a chapter in a book. And what was I doing? I was pouring out. I would ask them about how things are going in their lives, in the lives of their family. And what was I doing? I was pouring out. You see, sometimes we can go through a season of emptiness where we just feel like we have nothing left to give. We have no purpose. And we just don't know if we have enough to make it through the day, all the while knowing we're gonna to have to get up tomorrow and do it all over again. Some of us here today are like my friend, Marina, and you're going through the hardest thing you've ever gone through. Maybe you've lost a loved one in your life. Maybe your health isn't what it needs to be, but the word of the Lord today is just keep pouring. Just keep pouring because your miracle only happens when you move, Your miracle only happens when you put action to what God's asking you to do. He's asking you to pour. In the midst of everything, keep pouring. All the while you're pouring, you're experiencing God's strength, God's grace, God's joy, you keep pouring. Because when you pour, you're pouring with the purpose. You're pouring from a place that you may feel empty because of all the dumb things that you put in your life. But no, now you're pouring out of obedience to God and it seems impossible. It seems overwhelming. It seems like you're pouring from an empty jar, but you know what? God's pouring through you. You see, she was pouring for her boys. She was pouring for her future. She was pouring for their future. When you want to give up, just keep pouring. Thank you girls. But listen, what I think is super cool about this story is, and I didn't know about this or put it together until I was studying for this message was she was never pouring from a full jar. In my mind in school and in Sunday school, when I heard it, I thought, oh, well the prophet came and filled her jar up and she was pouring. Mm-mm, it doesn't say that. She was still pouring from a little bit of oil. The whole time she was pouring out into those jars. She was pouring for him a jar that only had a little bit of oil. You will never experience the miracle that God can use you and do through you until you pour. Sometimes when you pour, you feel like it's a sacrifice and nobody will see it. But in Luke 6:38, it says, given it will be given unto you. A good amount will be poured into your lap. It will be pressed down, shaken together, running over. The same amount you give will be measured back to you. Jesus said, just keep giving, just keep pouring. Give everything that you have, everything that you need, Jesus will give you. But our instinct is to hold tight to everything. But Jesus says, keep giving. Keep loving, keep giving of your time, keep changing diapers, keep wiping noses, keep being a man of integrity, keep inviting your coworkers. When you feel empty, just keep pouring. It, I know it's hard. God didn't promise that it wouldn't be hard. He promised he would always be there with you. Let's wrap it up and look at the end of the story. When all of the jars were full, she spoke to her sons. She said, bring me another jar. But he replied, there aren't any more left. Then the oil stopped flowing. See, she went and told the man of God about it. He said, go and sell the oil, pay what you owe. You and your sons can live on what's left. Live on what's left. Now that's a bonus point and it's a whole nother message that I don't have time for. But see, when you're in a pouring season and you keep pouring however God tells you to pour, even when it's hard, even when you're tired, even when you hurt, even when you're sick, even when you're lonely, when you keep pouring, one day you turn around and you have a whole pantry full of oil. Somehow you made it through that dark day. Somehow all along through the pain, through the confusion, through the heartache, you were stockpiling your order, your oil. You see, she lost her husband. She wasn't getting him back, but she had something left to live on. You see, a lot of these jars are from women in this house, women in this congregation that I asked to bring jars to. You see, this jar was from a woman who when I stepped out and led a group, I prayed with her to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. She's become one of my greatest friends. You see, this one was from a lady who, not long ago, her daughter was going through a terrible divorce. And I knew because of the value of counseling, how that changed my life, that she was going to need some help. And I was able to help her. She's been a longtime friend. <laughs> You see this jar, it's from a woman who just needed somebody to have a safe place to talk to, a safe person to share with, about what was going on in her life. And during a busy season in my life where I didn't feel like I really had anything to give other than wiping noses and changing diapers, I took the time to talk to her. She's become that safe place for me in my life. You see this jar It's from a woman who recently lost her dad. And on a busy Sunday morning, I just stopped and I looked her in the face and I said, how are you doing? Do you need anything? If you do, all you have to do is ask. A line that seems so simple changed her life. All you have to do is ask. She's become a great friend. You see, a million little miracles, all when I didn't even expect it. You see, the whole time I was struggling, when I was going through a hard time, when I was feeling empty, alone, forgotten, unloved, or inadequate, God was doing a miracle in my life, but in their lives also. You see, today, I don't know if you feel empty. I don't know what you have in your house, but what I do know is that God can change your life and the lives of your family if you give them all you've got. So this morning, I wanted to give you some oil Now this is almond oil with lavender, coconut, whatever. Some kind of oil that you can rub on your body if you want to. But I wanted to give you some oil so that you would remember what God did for the widow. He'll do for you also. I wanted you to have something as a visual on this Mother's Day that you could walk away with. But you know what? Don't be afraid of the empty seasons in your life. You know, because when you're empty, that's exactly where God wants you to be and he does his best work. When you give him everything you have, even if it's just a little bit of oil, don't be afraid. God's working on your behalf, he's doing things for you. God does his best work when I feel the emptiness, emptiest. So I wanna pray for us this morning and. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like you've got nothing. You don't even have any oil. Well, I've given you some. It's yours to keep. Now you have something. If this is all that you can give to God, that's all he's asking. Give him this today. So Father in heaven, I thank you for this Mother's Day. Father, I thank you for each and every woman and man and person that's here this morning. I thank you, Father, for the person that's sitting out here and they feel like all they've been doing is crying out, crying out, crying out. And now they know they need to reach out. Father, I thank you for the person that feels like they've been reaching out and reaching out, but they forgot to cry out to you. Father, I thank you that while we're pouring out in our weakest moment, while we're pouring out, even when we feel empty this morning, you're stockpiling in our pantry. I think about all the people that have prayed to get us where we are today. Father, I thank you for each and every one that's here today. I ask that you come in and you change them, the crevice of their heart that they can remember, but they don't want to remember. Father, go in and wipe it away. All of the bad choices and the bad decisions, Father, I ask that you take it away from them this morning. Father, all we've got is a little bit of oil. We feel empty, but we're asking you to pour us up and pour through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.